Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars now for over a year and a half, almost a year and a half. And we've had fantastic guests and talked about all different uh, aspects of the horse world. Today, my guest is Bess Miller. She's a four-hoof surefoot practitioner that lives in Michigan, and she works with young horses and foals, uh, pony foals. She breeds ponies. Um, so Bess has been using Surefoot now for a couple of years with her foals. And so we're going to get uh, sort of a update on the webinar we did last year when we talked about her foals and just some ideas about how you can employ Surefoot with young horses. Hi, Bess. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So Bess, not everybody may have watched your previous webinar. So if you could just give us a little bit of your equine background. I know that you have an extensive resume. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> I mean, I grew up on a breeding farm. We raise um, registered Shetland ponies and Arabians and um, have crossed them in the past for uh, the hunter jumper, you know, pony circuit type stuff. Um, I'm really good at starting and then they get sold. So... I've got lots of experience with five and unders, and then they move on to their next person and they finish them and put them in the show ring. Um, so my own personal horses, I've done hunter stuff, I've done dressage, I've done combined training, I've done Western pleasure. Um, is that all of it? I do do driving, but it scares me and I'm gonna get better at, that's my, my 2021 <laughs> to oh, go back to take driving lessons. I know, because now I have a pony, I think um, I would not be scared to drive. <laughs> well, driving is incredibly fun. So that's my Things don't go well. Well, I've had two, I've had two crashes because we did drive the ponies. Like I grew up driving and the, it just feels out of control for me. I like them under instead of in front of. <laughs> But you're gonna go back to it. That's okay. And, and at one point you had what was it, 250 horses on the property? Yeah, 225 to 250. Um, when I took over the farm, um, we still had about 125, and most of those were broodmares. Um, we've had as many as four stallions. Um, so I do have a lot of experience handling. Um, stallions of all different personalities. And I love Surefoot for stallions, especially. Oh my gosh. I, my stallions both love Surefoot pads and it changes how they relate to their human. And with, that's a whole nother topic, but um, anybody that handles stallions should have Surefoot pads because it zero, changes their brain, <laughs> awesome. makes them less anxious and distracted. And but um, yeah, now I have 22, um, some retired show horses, um, what's left. I think I only have nine Shetland mares left, two stallions. Um, and then I have a couple of young Arabians and one quarter horse that's my current project. But um, most, the majority I have, I'm running like a retirement center for <laughs> Our horses. <laughs> Most of them are senior citizens. Oh, but you've had them all their lives, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Except for uh, maybe two or three of the show horses that we purchased for my kids um, that were already trained and came to us. And I don't get rid of. You know, we have kind of an ideal setup. We have two hundred acres. Everything's out on pasture. We have artesian wells for water. It's very it's a lovely place for horses to end up. So the show horses that come to us, they just, I don't feel like it's fair to make them leave. <laughs> so, well, they stay. <laughs> and I have a really, really nice husband who um, is very um, willing to go along with that plan. So that's great. That's, and helps. That's important. Yes. It does help. Yes. <laughs> All right. So when I have, Goats is the other thing. Don't forget. Mm -hmm. I'm also a goat shepherdess. Have you ever put any goats on your surefoot pads? Yeah, Zola. Didn't I send you those pictures? I thought I sent you the pictures. Zola got um, meningeal worms and it affects their uh, spinal column 
and she was down for like two weeks and had trouble um, walking. And so I did a combination of like team obstacle course work with her and putting her on the pads. And she, she still has a really different kind of gait for a goat, um, but she recovered and um, it, the vet was sort of like, what are you, <laughs> who does this? And I'm like, oh, the horse trainers do. <laughs> So yeah, and I did take some. I thought I shared it with you. <laughs> Maybe I not. I but forgot, anyway, but yes, I do put I the goats. I put the goats on the pads. <laughs> That's really cool. All right, so um, I think probably it would be best if we talked about uh, Violet and Koopy, um from what we did last year, so that people uh, who may not have been on that webinar can kind of catch up, and then what's going on now. Yeah, so um, Violet is a three-year-old purebred Shetland. Um, the, I'm trying to think, so I'm just trying to think what you and I were doing because I either had just done a clinic with you or I was heading to a clinic but Violet, um, she was born in July. It was really, really, really hot. So I ended up bringing um, the mare and foal in for a couple days. And she, I was worried that the mare um, wasn't producing enough milk because she was bashing her mother all the time, um, but she didn't seem dehydrated. And, you know, I kind of take a wait and see um, from all the experience we've had probably over 900 foals on our farm. So I don't get too freaked out about stuff, but this was sort of uncharacteristic behavior for a foal. Um, and then the other thing I was noticing is any bugs that landed on her and it, it was minimal. She was really reactive too. And so I just, I don't like to touch the foals a lot. Um, but I decided that, um, are you looking for those pictures? I found Violet. I found them. So I'm going to screen share so people okay. can see Violet. Okay. I had to search so around. Violet, um, I had one of the, uh, the biggest physio pad, the farrier's pad, and um, she could fit all four feet on it. And so I just placed her on it and she was pretty resistant to going on it so you know with the least amount of drama I just put her on it she was on very briefly and I did it like three times and then I just went back to cleaning stalls or whatever I was doing and when I a couple minutes later when I looked in on her she was sound sound asleep and she got, got up in about 10 minutes yeah. and I did it again another couple times and she immediately lay down and you know, I'm not holding her on the pad. That's the, the other thing with the foals is I just put them on it. They walk off instantly or they stay. This is probably about, I think effort six, like she'd been at that. And I added that littler pad. So we had kind of a runway. Mm -hmm. um, but what I noticed was she stopped being resistant to the flies. She just lay and stopped wiggling her skin and flipping her tail and sitting up and fussing about the bugs. She just slept. And so that's when I started thinking, hmm, this might be <laughs> a really good thing to do with these babies to help them just kind of be instead of, because um, every once in a while, I would say Violet is reactive in her personality um, like for the last, and it doesn't mean like she's afraid or, and she just, she just sort of, um, when you ask her a question, she likes to argue about what the appropriate answer is. So, um, and then the other foal that I work with is a two-year-old, QP, who um, is a totally different personality. She's a, has a little bit of fear I would say in her, like she's not trusting. Um, she's, I, I mean, she reacts to things like if her environment changes. So if you move a wheelbarrow, she knows it has moved. If there is um, 
a new thing in the aisleway. She will, she saw a turtle in the driveway two weeks ago. And that was like, she doesn't make a big deal about it, but she has to stop and look at it for about three or four seconds and decide that it's okay, which I allow her to do. Um, I don't force the babies past anything. Um, they kind of get to decide if it's going to be a big deal or not. Um, but like that turtle in the driveway, it was like probably 75 feet from her. <laughs> and she was just like, oh my God, there's something in the driveway. <laughs> so, so, and she did, she just spent like three seconds looking at it. And then she did a little lick and chew. And I was like, okay, now we can just go. Like, we don't have to go visit the turtle and see that it's safe, <laughs> you know, but so those are the two I'm working with. They're totally different personalities. Um, they, they're super fun. And I honestly don't think I would be as successful with, they're going much quicker through things. And I'm able to, like I, I was telling you earlier, you know, I'm working on some barn manners with QP right now. Um, I'm not sure I would have paused before to actually address the, the, her, she's, she's, um, she's uncomfortable being in the barn alone, um, which is a new thing this summer for her. Like it just happened one day. I just turned everybody out before I decided to work with her and she ended up being alone while I was cleaning stalls and she just started kicking stall door and with her front feet and her back feet she would just turn around and wham on the stall and I'm like what are, wow this is out of character and I realized oh she's not comfortable and so I changed my whole training plan for the day and it was to see if we could get her comfortable in the stall because there was not going to be successful training if she's already distracted when you start in the stall you know it's not going to She's not going to get better in the indoor. <laughs> it's right. just going to be sort of a battle. Right. So, it's a so, and it took horses have to I think, <laughs> Yeah. Well, and like, uh, like I said earlier, you know, it translates to the horse shows. So if they're not comfortable at home alone, they're going to be a mess at a horse show when you show up until they're exhausted or you know, or they're distracted the whole time, or, um, you know, when you, if, if you're going to take them down the trail and they can't be comfortable alone, that's a situation that you don't want to perpetuate as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I know a lot of people, and I probably did um, think about this differently. Like you just kind of ignored it and got on with your training, but now because of how I think about things, I'm like, hmm, she's not in her zone to actually critically think and process through the questions I'm throwing at her. So let's get her in the zone. And like the first day, so what I did was with that stall issue was the first day, I just put the pad in the stall um, and asked her to stand on it which she's experienced with the pads. So she would stand and I did the physio pad specifically because um, I wanted her to have like a secure, solid, I wasn't sure where she was mentally. Um, we did progress up to, she likes the blue pads a lot. So we did progress back to the blue pads over the next couple of days. Um, but ironically, she really likes that physio pad in the stall. Um, so she might, maybe it's because she's just a little more uncomfortable and gives her a little more security. I don't know what, I don't care. I will do whatever they want me to do. So, <laughs> so it, it only took about three days. And um, the, so the video that I attached, uh, I think there's two videos, right? Did I, or I have to show you the videos because if they're the I ones have to do the on um, messenger, I can play them. Now I don't know what I sent. Is Hang your on, phone, let me look at my phone. We got a bit of feedback. I'm not sure why. Oh. Okay, so you want me just to turn it off? Yeah. Um, let me find the file. And 
So actually, I think this video is QP as a baby. And then this one is a different horse. Yeah, so you're gonna have it's to- the one that Doug made it so I could share. Hang on. All right, we're gonna have- So you I just hit share, right? Yep, and then you pick the image you wanna share. Okay, hang on. Yep. Okay, so this is, this is what it looks like when I'm working with them in the stall. It has an open- Look at how I did that. Say that it has an open for you. Um, you know what you might have to do? If, if it opened for you, yeah. Unshare and then share the screen of the video itself because Zoom doesn't track when you change screens. So stop share. Yep. Or pause share. Stop, stop share. And then stop share. Share screen and find that specific video. Okay, I hope I don't disconnect myself. No, you're fine. Oh, I don't know what that is. Hang on. So do you have the video that you want to show? It's playing. Say again? Uh-oh, are you there? Yes. Okay, hang on. So Why did it not stop playing the video? Yeah. Here we go. Great. So now Can you just see start, that. Just start it from the beginning. Just drag your scroll bar back. Wow, you're asking a lot of me. That, that dot, just drag that blue dot. There you go. You did it. Everybody's cheering <laughs> on, okay? Is this QP? This is QP as a two year. This is her, her two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, maybe. Wow. But this is how I use the pads in the stall. And she, the, it's, I don't allow them to paw on my pads, first of all. So you'll hear me correcting her. But this is kind of, you can see what she chooses to do. Yeah. And I'm with her. I, I would never leave my pads alone in the stall with the horse. I always take it away when I leave the stall. Which I completely agree with because you want the horses to associate the pads with you as the person. Correct. Well, and I also don't want them to destroy my pads. <laughs> right. No, but both reasons. So she's put herself on this with both front feet. Yeah. Oh, no. She, I mean, she's been, her and Violet have been weekly on and off the pads. So this is just part of their life. I mean, the pads are, they love, I mean, it's just like, a, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just their thing. And so was this the first day when she was pawing and disruptive about Yeah. Being so this is the day, and this is like maybe the second. So what I do, what I do is I spend a few minutes with them with the pads. Then I leave them alone, clean a stall, garden, and whatever I'm doing around the barn, then I go back. So I'll do something, you know, I'll work with them two or three times over an hour with the pads or less or whatever. And, um, and let them sit in the stall and process, or sometimes I'll take them for a walk. Um, I like to have them moving, you know, I, I don't like to stand still a lot with the pads. I like to let them be on the pads for 30 seconds to a minute and sort of see where they are mentally and then go take a walk around the driveway or, you know, like her, she's just more comfortable, just sort of chilling. And pretty quickly she stopped kicking the stall. Um, it took three sessions and now she's completely fine being alone in the barn. She either eats quietly or she'll stand and try to figure out where I am in the barn, um, but she doesn't kick or she never did really whinny or anything, but she, the kicking was 
bad. <laughs> Can you play the video again? Can you just and then the I don't know why. There's no play again. <laughs> okay. Just, yep, there we go. Because oh. it's so interesting to see how she moves on and off. In other words, she's totally free. You don't have a lead tank on her. She does have a halter on, but she's able to move on and off the pad. And I might, you know, sometimes I might have to suggest that they get on the pad, but her, not so much as Violet. And you can see how and, she's gone grazing. She's put her neck down. She tests it out with the back. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and that's not, she's been in that stall already and has eaten her little flake of hay and her grain for the day. And given that she's a pony, there's, the stall is plenty big. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, they're 12 by 12. So. <laughs> How tall is she? Uh, oh, I bet she's not even 37 inches yet. Wow. She's tiny. Yeah. I think her brother is 38 inches and she's still littler than he is. So essentially, Violet and Chippy uh, are, are surefoot ponies. In other words, they've had surefoot since the day they were born, pretty much. Since the day they, like within a day or two of being born. And so then when, so Cupy was born a year later and I started off right away with her, with the surefoot pads. Like there was no, you know, I was like, we just, we have to do this. Like, it's just a part of what's gonna help her be okay. And she actually, so her brother is 10 years older than she is. He's my main tiny kid lesson pony. He's just a totally different personality. Net has always been brave, has always been rock solid in, he, get, he got things in his training. Like he started teaching little kids at three because he was just dead quiet, super good boy. Um, he had a couple of bad habits that um, somebody who used to feed for me let him develop, which you know we still work on to this day, but he's not, he's just a different type of pony altogether than she is. Um, but her mother is very spooky, very hard to catch, has been handled her whole life, but is just, just kind of, I didn't want, Cupy to develop those same things, whatever's in there that makes them, you know, flee, fight, whatever, it didn't get out of her mom. And, and her dad, my stallion, um, he's, he, he's super smart. I love all of his babies because they train easily. Um, but yeah, he's a little bit high, high energy, little, little, you know, you have to be on your toes a little bit with him. So um, she's not her brother, but I don't want her to, I want her to be manageable. She's going to be a really nice children's pony as long as, you know, I don't put anything in there that's going to make her spooky or, um, distrust humans and, you and know, the one that and Violet will be a great, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it was interesting, like with the little kids that she met yesterday, she's been very suspicious of children. Um, and so the little children that I introduced her to yesterday are very good at keeping their energy level down and, and they totally get animals. Um, that was the first time she was like, oh, I kind of like these little humans and this is nice. And um, and when one of them did make a fast move, she didn't react to it. So that was when I was like, oh yeah, she's going to be a good kid's pony. Like I knew it and she's, she just needs to grow up and she needs to have good experiences. And, you know, honestly, I don't know how you train horses without sure foot pads, not to, <laughs> not to, I just don't know. I don't know how I would get some of the things done quickly and with, with no anxiety or there's no repetitive stuff with these ponies because they pick it up. 
in less time than they did, you know, than other ponies have previously. They just, they pick things up faster when I can use the sure foot pads while I'm training. So like for me, I'm not a physical therapist. I don't have a lot of injured horses to begin with. So I don't have a lot of experience using the sure foot pads for therapy. I have a lot of experience now using them for training. And I just, I don't know how anybody trains horses without them because you get them right into a zone that they can absorb information and it sticks. So that's what I like. Um, and Violet, the three-year-old is a resistant. I don't know if I want to call her resistant because she, she, once she get learns it, the, the way you, she just, if you ask her a question, she wants to argue about what the answer should be. Why don't you and call once she picks up, um, I feel like say that again, I feel like there's two uh things on zoom because my voice i can hear my voice echoing at your end <laughs> not sure why hang on just go up to the top and stop share yeah there you go yeah there's still one screen up though behind the screen hmm. zoom screen okay I'm not, yeah, I can still see a video screen behind. Is it still echoing? Um, no, no, yes. Okay, if I diminish the screen, hang on. Oh my God, look at how techy I am. Oh, now I can't get you back. How do I get you back? I'm there. Okay, hang on. Okay, is that better? Let me see when I talk. Yeah, what'd you do? I don't know. <laughs> You're still here. And it's because I was hearing myself slightly delayed at your end. It was very Okay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've trained a lot of people with Zoom. And you know, it's great because then they've been able to go on and do a lot of other things. So it's really super. Okay. Yeah, so I don't even have a, my own laptop at this point. So. <laughs> so QP, you started with her right away. And I, she looks so different at two that I actually have that video on my computer, but I didn't recognize her. I didn't realize oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. no, and she, I just she's going to benefit. I mean, Violet will, Violet would eventually for a professional trainer, she'd be a great pony. And she'll eventually when she's 10 or 12, go on to other things in her life, but she's going to be a challenge training wise, like fun for me, because I like that kind of stuff. QB is going to be the kind of pony that at three, I'm not selling her, but at three, I could sell her. She could go on and learn to manage with a less experienced family or you know she, she's that kind of pony um is she the one with for the me to get these oh, oh yes with my dog the kissing my dog <laughs> yeah she she's very photogenic <laughs> There, hang on, I'll, I'll reshare it. Yeah, that's her. She was only about two weeks old in that picture. She still had all her curly whirlies. Is she double swirl? I think she is. Um, I just saw a post that, uh, I can't remember if Linda did it or Robin did it with that quadruple swirl horse. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, what does that mean? But she has swirls like all over her chest and her belly too, which she's she's gonna be, um, if I ever need to body clip her, she's gonna be a total challenge. And um, I haven't decided what I'm gonna do about clipping anymore now that I'm in my new non-competitive life. <laughs> 
Well, I had to clip Al because- Not gonna clip yours. <laughs> but Al's winter coat was as thick as a horse's, Al's summer coat was as thick as many horses' winter coats. So he got buzzed for ventilation. Yeah, I have one like that right now. I'm like, why are you growing fur now and you didn't all winter? <laughs> She's off season with the coat growing. So yeah, so we'll see. But, you know, both of them, I, I use the Surefoot pads to teach them to get their bridle pads clipped so much easier with horses that are a little startled by the clippers to put them on the Surefoot pads <laughs> and clip their bridle path. I mean, it's like a non-issue. It's, you know, so much easier. So... I'll be experimenting. Neither of them, um, I have put the clipper, I mean, they get the clippers run around their body. Like that's part of my training procedure just so that, you know, they're not so, and like bathing is, so QP right now is working on barn manners, bathing, clipping. Um, she She's comfortable now being led from both sides. Um, we're going to introduce, keep introducing these kids and I think in the next week or two, because I took a break from her regular training, like taking her over obstacles, she needs to go out um, on the trails with me. That's the other thing I like when like Violet's thing by this fall is that we'll be long lining on the trails. Um, so that's like a three-year-old thing. They have to get really comfortable just walking with me first. And then, you know, like Geronimo, her full, Cupie's full brother, at like two and a half, he would, had just been bitted. And I think I actually did it off the halter. He long lined cross country, did figure eights in the middle of pastures, and I would run behind him. I mean, he was, he was just like completely trained at age three to have little kids start getting on him. It was just like crazy. Like... <laughs> just he was just so much easier than anybody I've ever trained but um so QP right now she she got um her first bath last week and with the ponies it's their legs around their hooves are always an issue like I think it's a uh an instinct thing not to let anything grab your feet um but comparing Arabians to ponies ponies for me it clipping their feet is one of the last things that I do after we get used to being bathed and having your feet picked up a million times and then we go and then they always have like a I'm gonna fall down like this is terrifying and um they get over it but it's not something I do first because it's always it's always an issue so it'll be interesting I haven't because they're the first two. I haven't used the surefoot pads to clip legs yet. So it, that'll be a video <laughs> yeah. to see, so to when, see how they do. But she was saying, I have two questions. How, how huh? long are your training sessions and how often a week do you train? Okay, so Violet, um, for when she was one and two, she, came in every day to have her, they get a little supplement of vitamins and, you know, it's like a couple tablespoons of stuff. Um, and just because she was, she's just a different pony. She came in every day. So we did something. We walked up to the indoor. Usually it's 15, like the actual working session is 15 to 20 minutes. Sometimes it's five. If they're really, really good and it's something that they had an issue with the day before or two days before the previous week and they get it, then we're done. Like it's, it really depends on the day. The babies, I don't ever work them. Like if we go out for a walk on the trail, it might be an hour because you know, we got to get out and back and, but that's different because I'll stop and let them graze. You know, it's just, it's just like a different, it, the main thing is to be with me, not to, to actually be working on anything. It's when we go walking on the trail, it's to be with me. So um, the clippers, the first day might be just so that they'll look at the clippers running three feet from them. And I don't tie horses up when I'm teaching them to clip, they get to move and I wander around and, you know, 
it's it's a different thing. I saw an, another one of the horse training forums about teaching horses to tie, and I just had to I had to block the whole feed from my view because this tying babies fast and hard to teach them to tie is just like a nightmare to me. And so my babies, they don't, I mean, everything I do with them is in the aisle. Basically I'm holding them. Um, and then they do, they do learn to tie, but I don't have trouble with pulling back. I don't have trouble. I don't know. I just, I don't do the fast and hard things. So you can QB is not up to being, and actually, <laughs> What? You can damage them so badly so quickly with the time. We had one, um, when I was growing up, she broke her neck. And that was the last time my grandpa ever tied. And he had just tied her um, just to have, just to get her out of the way for a second. She was three-year-old and she pulled and broke her neck. And my grandpa was like, don't tie, don't tie them until you know that they won't pull. Like that really sort of, and he had probably already trained, you know, probably 500 ponies at that point, you know, in his life. So it's just, it's just one of those weird things that happens, but I've developed my own way of teaching horses to tie and it might not work for anybody else, but it, I don't have any, I don't have pullers. So <laughs> it works for me. Um, but QP and Violet have not been tied up to actually have their bridle paths trimmed yet um, because I don't feel like they're at the point where they could not pull back. So it's kind of like I don't let it happen and then it just doesn't happen, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they kind of have to be tied in order to clip their feet. So that's why I'm saying like they haven't had that little bit of training yet. Um, but probably for Violet, that's coming, like she bathes now. She's she doesn't like it. <laughs> she's just, she's just a different little chicken. <laughs> she just has her own ideas about it. So tell us more about Violet. You three now, right? She's three. And, and we showed pictures earlier of her being on Surefoot Pad. So she's been on pads since she was basically born. Yes. And how has that helped you with her training? Well, I think it's helped her like she she I think she would have been um a fighter like she and I think she probably would have been classified as dangerous so when I say she's not appropriate for children or amateurs your timing has to be very very good with her she is just she sees the openings for escape like to avoid you um, like, you know, I was talking to you earlier about um, teaching her to put the bit in her mouth and how I've always done it before is you put a teeny bit of oats in your hand and you hold the bit up and they go for the oats and you just kind of slip the bit in their mouth. And um, I only usually have to do it three or four times. And then we start working on putting the bit in without a treat. Well, Violet now has a huge problem with not having a treat. And it's not that she's afraid, it's that she wants me to go get the treat. And she's going to do everything she can to not address the bit at all. Like I was just hanging it under her face and she was like, oh no, there is no treat there. And I'm going to put my head somewhere else. And I'm very good at following at this point. But like I said, I was telling Wendy, um, I don't think I want anybody to see this video. <laughs> it looks bad it looks like I'm doing horrible things to her but I'm just following her thrashing her head around and trying to throw me on the ground I mean it's just she's just difficult and but then I put her on the pad and she goes back to that quiet non-reactive zone and then we try again and then I just decided well let's try putting the bit in her mouth while she's standing on the pad and that got it a little bit better and so she so now we're on three sessions it takes about 15 minutes to actually get her to take the bit semi-quietly 
but now she's at the point where she will open her mouth with it hanging below her mouth, like in my hand, but she doesn't, as soon as it touches her whiskers or whatever, that's when she starts to sort of amp up her head again. So the whole goal is to find the spot where she's okay with it and opens her mouth and then I take it away. And so we're, we're, you know, we're still progressing with that. But again, it's been like three or four sessions over two weeks and we've made huge progress, which I, I don't think we'd be at this place if I didn't have the sure foot pads. I think she, I've had one other, um, my horse that I just retired, Whimsy, you know how lovely Whimsy is? Whimsy's the worst taking a bit horse I've ever had. I had three different trainers show me their different techniques for slipping a bit in a mouth because she she's taller than me, first of all. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. Mm -hmm. And it she was probably eight years old before she got to the point where she just opened her mouth and take the bit. And now little children can put a bridle on her. She puts her head down, she opens her mouth, you know, it's a whole thing. It's just, you know, Violet just wouldn't be, she'd be one of the tough ones and she's not that tough. But that's just from me having trained so many more. I just have an intuition that if I didn't have the sure foot pads, it would be just, I'd be throwing my hands up. Well, you've Say that again. You've obviously trained a lot of them without the surefoot pads, so you you have a comparison. Yeah, yeah, and I much prefer the surefoot pads. <laughs> like, I again, I don't know how people are training horses without them. Like, it makes your life so much easier, and um, the horses are happier, and and they they retain things better. Every question that I'm asking Violet that she wants to have an argument with, I can tell she's like, yeah, I know you said it that way, but it's actually, this is how I want to do it. And then she tries a new thing and we've almost exhausted all of her arguments. And then I think she's going to be like, okay, we'll just do this. But there's no, um, they're just, the anxiety is gone. She may still be asking the questions, but it doesn't amp up to like being truly ugly. Like where you're like this horse, you know, is difficult, doesn't want to cooperate. Like she wants to cooperate, but she kind of wants you to do it her way. <laughs> she wants the treat. Right. And we're going to stop right. now. <laughs> I, no more I treats with training with her. Um, I talk about horses being less committed. Like she, she would be very committed without the surefoot pad, but she is less committed with it. And as they become less committed, you'll see that moment where suddenly it's an okay idea. Yeah, you know how you talk about patterns and horses pulling the book off the shelf with that pattern or this pattern she doesn't have that library I mean she just doesn't she she kind of wants to ask a lot of questions but I feel like we're going to get through them a lot quicker you know just it's just different and then when you have a, a really easy one like Cupie it's like a non-issue it's like a day of training you know it's a day of this it's a day instead of a week or two weeks or whatever so so I'll just be really interested that the goal with Violet was um, to, and this is funny when I said, I think I now have a pony that I'm not scared to drive. She's the one. <laughs> right? <laughs> so because she likes to have a job. And as soon as she understands the job, she's like, oh, I am all about this job. Like, I got this, I'm okay. So um, I just feel like she's gonna be, she's gonna be my pony. Like she, she, and she likes that. I tell her all the time, you're my pony. Like you're not for children, you're for me. So, and she, you know, she's the one that when I go out into the pasture to catch somebody for a lesson or, you know, to come in to eat their grain at night, she comes up with me because she just wants to be with me. 
and I like her. Like she's, she's going to be awesome, but she's got to get through. I mean, all baby horses are the same. There's some period of where they have to commit to the human, you know, like, and she's, I think she's pretty committed to humans. It's just, she hasn't figured out, like, you kind of have to not ask a lot of horrible questions. <laughs> well, she's a fascinating horse. And the, the one thing that I keep hearing is that you're allowing your horses to be themselves and you're allowing them to say no just like uh, yeah. Sarah Schultes talked about the other day, you're allowing them to say no, but no doesn't mean a permanent no. No doesn't mean that we're not going to do this again. No is simply in that moment that we either have to reframe, wait, or um, um, give them that moment and then ask them that question again or present the idea again in a way that they can then get to a, a good place with it as opposed to being dictated to or demanded or dominated. Correct. And um, I was just talking with another trainer last week and we were talking about um, building in, well, she likes to call it building in a pause. And what I realized is the sure foot pads can teach the humans. So it's not just the pause, it's, what do you do with the pause? You know, are you just sitting there like a lump on the horse? Are you rewarding them? Are you, you know, and so for me as the human using the surefoot pads over, I mean, how many years has it been like six since the oval pads? Like, cause I used the oval pads too. Like as soon as you wrote the newsletter, little blip about, these therapeutic pads, I ordered them from a physical therapy place. Like I didn't even know what I was doing. And those oval pads helped me tremendously. But um, the, the pause is where you should be noticing how they're processing stuff. And so if they're introverting, you know, if they're going into themselves in the pause, that's a bad thing. You know, that means they're shutting down, they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're not processing the information. And so the surefoot pads have taught me that in that pause, you should be assessing what the next step is. So is that repeat? Is it go back to something that they know? Is it just do the surefoot pads for the rest of the session? I mean, I don't think anybody should be afraid to quit if mm -hmm. a horse um, is expressing something, you know, I, I guess I, I haven't had this recently, but I had a half thoroughbred, um, half Arabian who was so, he's the most difficult. And I didn't end up doing any, a lot of the training with him. I was turning him over to people because he was dangerous. I mean, he scared me. And um I think with him, if he had had the surefoot pads, there probably would have been days where I would have been okay if he had just gotten okay on the surefoot pads and we would have just quit. And I, I think that's one of the benefits for the human is you learn to pause and then you learn what to do with the pause. So that's where I am right now is I have no agenda. <laughs> But I think that's so important. I'm going to write it down. It's learn to pause, which I talk about, but I like the way you're phrasing it and what to do in the, what to do in the pause. Right. Well, what to notice in the pause. Well, yeah. What to do, what to do with the pause. So are you going to, are you going to ask the same question again? Or are you going to clarify the question? Or are you going to go backwards and ask an easier question? Or do you just need to be done for that day and let them process whatever, whatever happened in the training session? There's always something for them to process. And, you know, maybe they're just done for that day and, or you're done, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> well, let me, okay. So let me see if I've got this right. So, so, 
you need to learn to pause and what to notice while you're in the pause and then what to do after the pause, whether that's repeat, change or quit. Yeah, or simplify. Simplify. The change, I mean, change couldn't, I would say simplify because a lot of the times what I do with the babies, I'm, I'm trying to think because like, like the quarter horse mare um, got injured. She struggles with her left lead now. Um, she, so it's so exhausting to be a trainer by yourself with the sure foot pads. So I have to get off, like I'll cue the canner. She gets the wrong lead. I get off, I put her on her, so she had likes the same setup of sure of four pads every single time. She, she's not one that deviates. I have some that want a different set of pads every single session, but I put her on the pads. I get back on, cue the canner. We'll canter along nicely for half a round and she'll swap leads, get off, put her back on the pads. So with her, it's repetition because she gets better. You know, she's able to canter longer each time. I don't need to simplify with her. With the babies, a lot of times you need to, you need to figure out how to make it easier for them. And I do want to give credit. So um, it would be Lisa Mossman and um, she learned it from Ray LaCroix that this pause, letting the horses process information and just stand and, but we were having a discussion over lunch last week. And I said, cause I was telling her about the surefoot pads again. And I said, I think the pause for the human needs to be noticing your horse, making a decision, what you're gonna do next. And it's not just sitting there taking a break. Right. Right. Um, so that, that's really cool because I think that that is um, an area that you just clarified for people because they put the horse on the pads, but then, you know, they're, they're uh, unsure what to do with that time. In other words, that person yeah. is thinking, you know, I should be do, I should be doing something, but really what you, if you're going to do something, it's to evaluate, assess, decide, and then execute whatever that decision is based on that moment. And it's in, so evaluation is a learned skill, right? So noticing, so noticing the body clues that the horse gives you is your first lesson in learning to evaluate. And then I'd have to really think about it. Cause like, as we're talking, you know, me, I'm always like trying to figure out how to teach things. Yeah. Um, and so like now I'm thinking, oh, there's, there's like a step two to, which I think I do instinctively because I've trained so many horses. Um, yeah, that would be, there would be a second level beyond noticing body clues um, well, you're which able maybe to notice the clues and then from your experience, know what to do with what you see. Yeah. So I'm saying is maybe it's an experience level thing and you just have to train a whole hundreds of horses. <laughs> um, you have to know because you know your horse, um, if you know your horse and you see okay, so my horse is standing on the pads and his shoulder is so far past his foot and I have a problem with him falling on that outside shoulder. It's like, oh, there's the pattern that I see that gives me the information mm -hmm. to understand what I experience when I ride. So there's a piece in there of, um, uh, it's assessment in terms of putting together the facts that are observed, right? I don't know a better way to say that. Um, well, I, I mean, I do think people don't quietly, and I mean that in a meditative way, um, observe their horses. Um, I know that we've talked about this before, about how much easier it is for me to teach children 
to notice horse body language when I do the demo for them on the surefoot pads. I put the horse on the surefoot pads and I have the kids look for the body clues. And then all of the sudden they're able to see like while they're grooming the horse, oh, he moved his ear. Oh, is this comfortable? Is this not comfortable? I've never been able to teach that easily as now, you know, if I have a kid that's not, that's really not um, connecting with the body language of the horses, um, I put them on the surefoot pads and I just teach them maybe five or six things to notice. It's not even like, you know, all the whole list, which is, you know, two pages long. Right. It's just a couple of things right. and they quickly connect to the horse, you know, sort of spiritually, like they understand when the horse is uncomfortable, they understand if the horse is happy. Um, and it's just like in one session, it's, yeah. So I think that one of the real benefits is the surefoot pads will help humans notice horse language, maybe. Or uh, more importantly, when the horse is feeling safe. Yeah. And it's, well, I think that's hard. <laughs> well, yes and no. That's, because to me, that's always like, a, it's a gut thing. Yeah. <laughs> there is a gut thing, but yeah. noticing like, the ears and whether the horse is okay or not okay with what they're doing, they're recognizing whether or not the horse feels, feels safe. And so it's okay to do something else. And I think with Surefoot, when we're assessing the horse on the paths, the decision is, is this okay? Is this not okay? If not okay, change mm -hmm. or stop. If okay, yeah. repeat or change to increase. So it's kind of like a simple flow chart of okay, not okay, if okay, here, if not okay, here. Does that make sense? You're making me laugh because you're doing your little, your little quiz thing. <laughs> That's how your brain is working right now. <laughs> like in the last year, how your brain works is by developing quizzes that drop down. <laughs> I just noticed that. Well, because it's, you know, what I realized is that as, as you've said, we intuit what's going on because we have the experience, but for someone who isn't doesn't have that level of experience, how do you help them consciously become aware? How do you of teach it? To, yeah, to make those decisions. Yeah, it's the hardest part of this industry for me is how do you teach these things that I didn't even know I was learning? You know, I don't remember learning to canter. It was a really hard thing as an instructor for me to teach people how to canter when I was early in my career, because I, I don't remember. I don't remember the first time I cantered. I don't remember it. I don't remember if I was scared. I don't remember if it was fun. I don't remember how I stayed on. I, I don't remember any of it. I was cantering before I was four. I don't remember. Right. Well, I can tell you <laughs> so, that so I had to experience because you don't have a memory of a negative experience, which right. is why it's so yeah. important so, children to set them up to have a positive experience so that they learn the skill without the fear. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I'm having a lot of fun with these babies and I hope that we get more feedback from people working. Um, I don't have as many babies as I, you know, I used to have 25 to 30 babies a year and it would have been super fun to put every single one of them on surefoot pads and see how all the different personalities um, responded as, as zero to three-year-olds. Um, that would have been super fun, but I don't have that anymore. And, you know, I'm not really looking to keep having 20 plus horses. <laughs> All right, I'm sure that's all the other So I'm trying to go down. <laughs> go down in number. <laughs> well, Bess, this has been terrific. It's so nice to get an update on the two horses and to hear how your how Surefoot has not only changed your training, but made your training easier, faster, better with less stress. And that's really what the point of it is. Yep. I, and I thank you so much. And, you know, I've been so lucky to get to travel around with you and <laughs> be deeply immersed in Surefoot. So 
<laughs> it's my favorite part of the day is, oh, oh what are we going to do with pads today? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Beth, for joining me. And um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, just remember, we'll be back next week on Sunday. I'll put out the email. So if you're not on our email list, please join uh, at MurdochMethod.com. And um, we have some great guests coming up. Uh, we just keep getting more suggestions and people saying yes. So I'm really excited about some of the upcoming webinars. Have a fabulous weekend. It's a gorgeous day here in Virginia. I'm gonna go play with my horses and um, see you next week. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Bess. Thank you.